Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 4 of iWolves with your host, Ian Dunbar, Kelly Dunbar, and me, Jamie Dunbar. Question and answer time? Sounds good. Dogstar Daily Mailbag? Uh-huh. So we found a letter that uh, kind of segues nicely from our last, um, our last post about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, uh, because this letter first came to us um, through Facebook. Uh, we were friended by Nigel Tufnell, who... Hi, Nigel. <laughs> At first, that didn't mean anything to me, but I googled it and found out that he is uh, a member of the band Spinal Tap, um, and so awesome. apparently it wasn't really Nigel. Someone was using uh, Nigel as a uh, as an alias because they didn't like the Facebook privacy settings. So I will keep uh, our letter writer's name confidential and uh, share it with you their letter, which was quite comprehensive. So this okay. was this right here was their first statement, okay. and then they called me, um, and I told them that it sounded like a very interesting question, and we'd love to do a post about it. Maybe they could uh, write to us so that we could okay. have the so details. Okay, so you have an initial contact, then a phone right. call, and then a letter. Right, and so then I, I, I guess oh. I made the mistake of asking for the details. I don't know if I used specifically word details, but I got this page one, page two, page... Two and a half. Wow. All right, and Nigel is thorough. Cool. Single spaced. Okay. So basically, what this boils down to. Right now, though, right? No, I've highlighted some important. Okay. I've highlighted some important parts. Uh, basically, it can be boiled down to they have a 14 month old, 160 pound uh, Newfoundland, so a very large dog, and it comes from quote the best stock in the world. And is, this, is this person in Canada by any chance? Um. I don't know if I know that. There's some awesome Newfoundlands up there, oh, could obviously. Be. But, um, or uh, Right. So yes, that would be, I guess, where the best stock would be. At any rate, uh, the breeder wanted to keep them intact because they wanted it to, them to have the uh, option of breeding if you know the dog grew up to be healthy and lived long and nice temperament. Um, and so much of this is explaining why they decided to keep the dog intact and why okay. this was a carefully weighed decision and they're not going to neuter the dog, which so, apparently is a lot of the feedback they've been getting from trainers. So they, so they, yeah, so they have made the decision, do they have a breeder's agreement to breed, use the, to mm -hmm. use the dog as stud dog? Okay. Right, and he said that they've been using uh, Dogstar Daily, Ian's books and videos, it's been very effective for potty training, position changes, rules of the house, um, that sort of thing. Uh, however, I thought this was an interesting little note, stuffed columns are not an option for the daily rations because they feed them, they don't feed them, ki feed the dog kibble, it gets a very specific breeder's prescribed raw diet that we make from scratch each day. Awesome. Mornings, oats soaked overnight in whole milk, and evenings, lean ground beef mixed with 12 different supplements and rolled in meatballs, which wow. I thought was pretty impressive. Wow. So they obviously care very much about this dog. Um, so the two main problems essentially are aggression and um, kind of focusing attention. And the aggression seems to be mostly on the part of other dogs, uh, and it, it started with um, kind of adolescence. Uh, at about nine months, other like dogs... Like clockwork, by yeah. the way. <laughs> uh, they've been socializing a lot. They've been taking the dog park and uh, doing classical conditioning, but starting at nine months, um, other dogs would jump on them, you okay. know, would, mm -hmm. would sick them. And so then, after a few of these uh, encounters, now the dog, their dog, 
is not so comfortable at other dogs yeah. and starts to growl when they see other dogs and so that they feel okay. like confuses okay. the situation for the other owners where now the other owners think that their dog is instigating this um, aggression. So maybe we should just start with, with that in terms of, you know, that there's a lot to talk about right there. Okay, yes, there sure is. Um, and they, they were saying that they, they've gone to a lot of trainers and they find that some trainers don't even want to take on clients that have a, a dog that, that hasn't been neutered. And a lot of the suggestion they get is, well, well first thing you got to do is neuter the dog. And so they feel like it's a non-starter working okay. with these trainers. Okay, I'd like to start by saying uh, that testicles do, are, do not, are not magical little receptacles. They don't hold any certain special power. Mm -hmm. um, and well, I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit there. <laughs> they are kind of magical. Well, we have to keep them, treat them with great care. <laughs> no, that's true. But they are, you know, they are a normal functioning part of a dog. Uh, dogs have lived for mm -hmm. thousands of not millions of years with testicles healthily mm -hmm. and happily in without groups. ripping each other's heads off. And you know, so that, that that's not that's not that's not the problem. Although I do have to say that most dogs today, because so many are altered, and so few dogs have testicles, most dogs have not encountered them, and then mm -hmm. therefore may have an extreme reaction to them. Um, I do want to use uh, one of Ian's favorite lines here: um, "Testicles don't bite." <laughs> Uh -huh. Okay, I can agree with you on that one. Yeah. Um, they can be bitten. He will uh -huh. used to bite dunes. Oh. Um, wow. Yeah, a little little testicle envy there or something. Uh huh. Uh, when he was little, but um, you know, they they end up, they, having testicles in and of themselves does not make a dog aggressive. It does, however, make a dog more of a target, especially mm -hmm. in adolescence, right. which could start around seven to nine months old and then go up through about eighteen months to two years. Um, we do have in our in our group of now four dogs, uh, we have one intact male, Dune, mm -hmm. and he did get jumped a lot as an adolescent. He didn't have to do a darn thing. His existence made other dogs jump him. Mm -hmm. um, Dune is a big, strong, muscular dog, not, not unlike, and nowhere near as large as, as right. this 160-pound um, teenager. But possibly, um, you know, I think a lot of people might be just as intimidated by Dune as a bulldog. But, you know, dog in general. We're talking dog-dog right. now. Like, this is going to be a big... Yeah. It's gonna be is an enormous dog, mm -hmm. and a, it's a teenager. Uh, the, the testosterone. Do you know about that whole thing? How the testosterone raises in adolescence to I think oh seven times what it will be um, as an oh. adult dog. I did not know that. And there's some speculation as to what that means. Uh, dogs, by the way, are the only species where this happens. I believe, and I'm getting all this from Dr. Dunbar's sex and aggression lecture. Uh -huh. Um, he is a sex expert in, in dog behavior. Uh -huh. That's what he studied for 10 years. So I think the dogs are the only mammal where that happens. Um, testosterone goes sky high in their adolescence and then drops to normal range in, in adulthood mm -hmm. at some point. And so basically male um, adolescent dogs smell super male. Mm -hmm. And they're sending off lots of signals. Not to mention they are, you know, still relatively socially inept. Right. You know, puppy brain, adult body, um, sex hormones coursing through them as well. So there's a lot of turmoil there. Um, other dogs, we, we do believe that this um, this super testosterone peak mm -hmm. has to do with um, letting other dogs know this is def most definitely a male dog and it's most definitely mm -hmm. an adolescent who still is relatively insecure and whose personality can still be molded and shaped. Mm -hmm. That's a huge dog. That dog could be a problem dog, especially if he thinks he's you know, the be-all, end-all. Right. So we're going to give him enough smackdown mm -hmm. while he's a teenager and still um, malleable so mm -hmm. that he, you know, he realizes that you know, 
we have we have rules and right. that you're not the biggest toughest dog on the block. So they tend to get jumped a lot. That's the theory. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it seems, and you know, as pack animals who don't, you know, who do live with their testicles up until, up until recently, as animals that lived in groups and, you know, were relatively social, if not pack animals, they were social animals, uh, it was important that they did learn manners early on so that they didn't have these terrible fights mm -hmm. and they got older, fight to the death type things. So they're thinking that that might be one of the reasons why. That said, there are lots of other animals that live in groups that don't have that, mm -hmm. that problem. So we don't really know why, but uh, keep in mind that. Other dogs are well aware that this is um, an adolescent male, All right? Just because of that reasoning. And it sounds like, or it sounds like our uh, reader is well aware. The dogs are well aware. Yes, that seems yes. to be what, um, right? What their question is about. So when they get jumped, mm -hmm. you know, that's going to happen, and that should happen to a certain degree. For, I mean, what we don't have, in, well, what I don't know if we have in this in the letter, but is. What is the what is the dog's demeanor, or what has been the dog's demeanor mm -hmm. prior to this? Is he also being a goofy adolescent? We have a now now um, mm -hmm. Gigi slash Zuzu, our new um, goofy adolescent in our household, and sorry, sometimes she's downright inappropriate with right. her dog behavior, and she needs smackdown for that reason alone. And she doesn't have testicles. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, you are out of line, lady. You do not just run up to somebody and jump on their head. Can you imagine walking down the street? You no, know, what she does, her dog social skills. She thinks everyone loves her, the world is her oyster, everyone wants to play with her. Can you imagine if you're walking down the street and you know there's another person coming at you in mm -hmm. the opposite direction and they make eye contact with you and then they run at you and jump on your back and give you a noogie? You know. Uh, I, I, I can imagine that. That would I would receive that. Yeah, well, how no. that would you know, and they're like, oh come on, it's just right. fun, you know? No, that's that's not how you greet. Right. A person, um, someone that you know, let alone someone that you don't know, and that's the equivalent <laughs> of what Zuzu slash Gigi, our dog, has been doing. And I, I don't know whether this dog has was that. Right. They generally they generally say um, very gentle with smaller dogs around okay. people at the park, very friendly. Okay. Of course, friendly could be what you were saying. Being your mom could could involve noogies. And even if he isn't that exuberant, again, he's very, very right. big. And if and he, other dogs might be just intimidated or, or think that they need, he needs a smackdown right. as he gets older, he's, he's kind of taken down a few times. So it seems like you're saying, like, the way that the situation's set up, where they, they have the testicles, it's just going to be a fact of life that some dogs are going to give them trouble. Or are you going to, you know, growl or try and start with something with them. And so then... Yes, to a certain degree. Uh, what can we do with this dog to, offense. you know, set it up so it's not a problem, though? So jumping, so he's being jumped. Um, is it because he's got testicles? Is it because he's socially inappropriate? Is it a combination of those things? Mm, Probably a right. combination is what I'm thinking. You know, people like to blame testicles for everything, um, but as I said, there are plenty of neutered adolescents right. and, and spayed adolescent females that are still getting jumped on and, and smacked down. And so one thing um, I guess you're saying is, if um, if the dog's behavior is contributing to it being jumped, maybe. Once again, teaching the dog to sit on command is going to decrease the likelihood of it getting jumped. Exactly, you know? a dog that, or or to sit and face you, a dog that is right. has its bum facing to the other dog is less likely to even you know, mm -hmm. because they could be doing other things. So some dogs just have very erect posture, the way they stand looks like they're always looking for trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, a Newfie doesn't have prick ears, but you know, especially dogs that do also tend to get in more trouble because they right. look like they're already you know, or tails that go over their backs. You know, they look like they're right. You know, in this very tense it's kind of It's sending a lot of signals that maybe we don't read. And, you know, a dog could just be hard staring or just, mm -hmm. you know, doing this the whole time um, out, of, out of excitement and focus. So there are a lot of things that could be happening regardless. Um, yeah, so is, is, look at your dog's behavior. Could your dog learn to be more polite? Can you control your dog to get them to sit and focus on you? That'll diffuse a lot. Right, which actually 
to be fair now, I should mention the, their second point, which was having trouble uh, keeping the dog's attention and focus around distractions, around other dogs on walks. And also, they're saying that okay. if we go outside and, you know, someone's coming to pass, he will sit quietly on request, but then try to lunge at the stranger, not out of aggression, but eagerness to check them out. In his exuberance, he's likely to knock anyone down. So, I mean, it's very clear that this dog, if it had a more solid sit, would be putting less out there to get attacked. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean exuberance is, is, is exactly the word, you know, for most of these right. adolescent dogs, right. especially if they have been socialized, because you have a little tiny fluffy puppy and play, 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 play. Now his only crime is he's bigger, you know, and he's a lot bigger, and that, mm -hmm. that alone will intimidate a lot of dogs. And he's furry and black, I'm guessing, you know, if he's a newfie, he could be party color, but, um, what do they call him? Sorry, not party, that's another breed. Anyway, um, he could be black and white, but either way, mm -hmm. he's probably got a black face. And you can't really read that very well. And mm -hmm. all the fur makes the body language more difficult to read as mm -hmm. well. And then you've got him jumping at you in this happy, hoofing way. You know, that, that's too much for most dogs. So he could be getting in trouble just for that alone. Right. Uh, regardless, training him to do a nice solid sit, watch, turn, turn away from other animals, obviously starting gradually and then, you know, decreasing distance and, and adding distraction is the way to go. Um, but also never, never, never underestimate the amount of um, power in classical conditioning. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, so let's say he's doing nothing. Let's say he's just minding his own furry business and walking along, because that happened to Dune a lot. Dune actually was quite... Um, quite chill as an adolescent and wasn't really doing it, well, not all the time, but, you know, on a trail hike, let's say, mm -hmm. he can walk past another dog and not, not, you know, cause any trouble. He would get jumped when they meet, if they would meet and sniff. Um, you know, that can become a bad experience for the adolescent. They can become more um, tense around other dogs. So you still want to classically condition them every time they see a dog, um, whether it's been a good experience up front, you know, they see another dog in the distance, oh, look at that, they're a good dog, look at mm -hmm. that, dog's coming, let's give you a little bit of, you know, tasty cheese or a little bit of meatball because you're just merely because you're an adolescent and you're in the presence of another dog. Another dog's coming, that means food for you, it mm -hmm. means happy times for you, not I'd like you to sit and watch right. me while they go by, oh, good dog, more reward, more good times. Right. And then as the dog leaves, okay, let's just go back to walking. Mm -hmm. So I... I feel like hearing that, I, what I'm think, imagining this person saying is I'm thinking about what they said about the Kongs and how they couldn't do the Kongs because of this special diet. I think that that presents a problem. Or I think that they need to put a little more effort in figuring out how they can use food in training because with you know classically conditioning for this temperament, really food is one of the most valuable tools for that. They um, say, that's a very good point. They say they make meatballs, right? Right, so, you know, maybe they pop the meatballs in the freezer or something to make them a little more, you know, transportable or, right, some uh, sort it, of... It, it, some kind of freeze-dried or baked liver treat, I mean, that, you know, um, dehydrated liver. Usually mm -hmm. there's something, if they're doing raw diet, there's still plenty of treats available out there, right. tiny bits. I'm not, I mean, I do also do a raw diet. I'm not a purist in the sense that, you know, I'll slice, I slice up some cheese or I even buy the frozen little cocktail meatballs and cut mm -hmm. those up. I mean, it's not their main diet, but it's, right. it's still a meat product and it's not going to be full of fillers and... Right, you, but and, you need to have some sort of, you know, treat to tell your dog when it's, did it, you know, when it did well, when it was out, uh, you know, in a potentially scary situation and... And when you're doing classical conditioning, you do need to use a primary reinforcer to mm -hmm. be the conditioner, right? You can't use a secondary to train a... 
a tertiary, quaternary. So you do need to use a primary reinforcer, which would be, you know, food, sex, mm -hmm. water, right? <laughs> things that are that primary right. to life. Um, that said, you want to change your demeanor as well. Because probably if you're trying to hold an exuberant 660-pound dog and another dog's coming, you're thinking, oh no, you mm -hmm. know, grounding in, maybe getting nervous, maybe tightening up on the leash. Mm -hmm. All that sends your dog the wrong message that this is actually intense. Right. You need to be calm time. and you need to figure out a way to, to encourage your dog to be calm. If your dog will play tug or play ball, that's the time to whip that out. And woohoo, right. we're going to play over here. Ball on a string. Ball on a string. Get your dog addicted to the ball on a string because you can have it in your pocket and yeah. a dog's coming in the distance if you don't want to do the food thing or if they're crazy about ball. Woohoo! Here comes a dog. Let's have a quick game of choo choo choo. Play, play, play. Sit. Right. Get the dog's attention. You know, things like that. Um, I think they did say yeah, they've had trouble, maybe this was a different letter, but they've had trouble with letter. using um, food to get the dog's attention. But so, right, a toy, it seems like often for the dogs that aren't so into food, can be really into tug or a tennis ball or something that they've seen paired with fun games. And, and cre creating distance as well. I mean, food, if, using, if the dog is so exuberant that he won't take food in that situation, um, then clearly the primary is meeting the other dog, so when that's possible, set it up so that the dog can have some dog-dog play, but only if they are being correct and mm -hmm. polite. I'm, I'm doing some of that with Zuzu here. She loves to play. She's extremely dog-centric. Well, you won't get into how she got that way right now. That'll be in a blog post or something someday, because um, we just acquired her. But I can't trump that. I'm not as fun to her yet mm -hmm. as another dog. I'm working on it. We are playing game, 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 lots of ball, lots yeah. of lots of food, hand feeding, hand feeding meals makes you more of a primary, you know, resource, you know, rather mm -hmm. than doing it even with raw diet, you can hand feed and you can go out at at dinner time and take the meatballs and say, You only eat when we see other dogs and you're paying attention to me. Mm -hmm. But that goes into the operant conditioning. We're we we're going back to just the classical, you do want to find something that you can just simply pair that will get the dog's attention um, away from other dogs. Maybe it's one of those little um, rabbity chase toys that you can get from uh, places like Clean Run, you know, where it's more enticing mm -hmm. than a rubber ball or something. Uh, maybe you need to increase the distance for the to get uh, your dog's buy-in at first, and then you can right. work on that again. Because if a dog is six feet away, you know, a, a dog like this might not be able to concentrate. And mm -hmm. at six feet away, you're not going to stop a, a big dog right. from pulling over to the other dog. But anyway, you wanted to make sure your classical conditioning that the dog to still have a good time around dogs and that you are happier and relaxed around dogs and that good times can still happen. Not make a big deal out of the fights. Get them, you know, get them out of there. Make it then a happy experience. Try to find some dogs that enjoy your dog's company mm -hmm. as well. Right. Try and actively maybe plan a couple of situations where you can practice different scenarios, you know, building up to the walk, mm -hmm. you know, starting with right a friendly dog coming over to the house and, you know, doing a training session for 10 minutes or something. And staying stationary is always easier than continuing walking. So if you're right. on a walk and you see a dog coming towards you, step off the path, you know, 20, 30 feet if you need to, and stay still and get your sit, stay, and focus on that. And you have to be engaging. You have to be as engaging and as fun and as the other dog to get mm -hmm. their attention. So that's something that you build outside of that distracting situation first. Everything should be a game. Hand feeding and games. Hand feeding and games. All the fun comes from you. You know, and yeah. that's a way to teach them to focus. But that said, you're in a dog's adolescence. The bad news is, you're in your dog's adolescence. They're, mm -hmm. the, they're the most unreliable and easily distractible time. The good news is, it lasts nowhere near as long as a, as right. a human adolescence. 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you can just ride it out and that the dog will come up trained on the other end, but uh, if you, you know, use some of these tips and work through it, you'll have a, a dog that does come back down to earth and focus mm-hmm. over time. Yeah, all right. It's going to take some work, but uh, just keep working at it. Don't give up. It can be done. All right. Thank you very much for your question. Yes, thank you.